0: This is a News Laundry podcast, and you're listening to the Awful and Awesome Entertainment Wrap.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Awful and Awesome Entertainment Wrap. Today, I have with me, co hosting, an old friend and a, and a unique actually, personality. He has been a journalist, which is when I knew him. I, I still know him. Uh, he has been a film director, he has been a creative producer and a co producer on a series. And uh, he's also been doing a sports podcast. Welcome, Samar Khan from Mumbai.
0: Welcome, Abhinandan Sikri. Or like you
1: said, Niku, as I used to know you and I still do So Yeah, so, uh, you know, Samar, you've been in this space for a very long time. You made two films, Kuch meetha Ho Jaye, starring Garshad Warsi Mahima. Sorry? And Shorya. And that Shorya, yeah. Film, yeah. Uh, which was on the forces, actually. So we'll talk a little more detail about Shorya. And you also did that... In, the show in,
0: called The Test Case.
1: The Test Case with... Uh, um, the which, Kaur, which is also
0: about the forces. Yeah.
1: Yes, and you are currently a creative producer on a show on the Uri Strikes based on Shivarur's book. Which is, That's
0: right. That's Shiv, Shiv and Rahul's book, Rahul Singh and Shivarur. Yes. book called India's Most Fearless. Right. And the first chapter was about the Uri Strikes and we have picked up that chapter. We have taken the rights of that. And I'm doing it for applause and statement.
1: And you have been in the NDA yourself. That not many people That's know true. about you.
0: Not many people know that I was there for the for, for the for the entire time actually for six terms before I got thrown out for indiscipline. So yeah,
1: that is my history. So what did you do at the NDA that we are now? I am not referring to you as Brigadier Samar Khan now, but rather now it's Samar. Kya hai? <laughs> Correct.
0: So like I said, man, but the list so long that I control So they said that I <laughs> And I guess I use that as my as my safety shield now. I want to tell people that they're. <laughs> so, the
1: way but I must say you is it a coincidence that most of the things that you've created are to do with the forces, your mini-series, no, no, your films? It's
0: not, it's not a coincidence actually, because I think that's what that's what interests me the most. and that's what I think there are so many stories to be told about the men in uniform, which are just not war stories, you know, because I think we get stuck with war hmm. as as storytelling. and that's most of our films that you have seen till now about the army. Have been only about war, so I wanted to break that mold and say that there are more stories to be told. There are there are other stories which happen in the in the uh, in the army, and you know let's tell those stories. Which is where Shorav was born from that. It's not about war. It's about you know a man in the army and the kind of uh, things that he goes through in the army, and also it took a hard look at the human rights record of the army and in Kashmir. Yes. Yeah, so we so we'll be dis- about
1: so in fact we'll be discussing in a little more detail uh, about the forces portrayal in the in in Indian cinema. We will also be discussing this document film called Fire, which is a Netflix film that I watched. Uh, we will comment on the PETA ad, which I hope you have seen Samar Khan. I have seen the ad,
0: and I don't to want- Okay, but no,
1: please, 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 no. You have to say something. We will discuss it a little later. First, Samar, what I want to start with is do you remember when both of us used to work in news track For our audience, Samar used to report on a lot of stuff. I remember when I joined, you were reporting on an Air India, Indian Airlines pilot strike. Correct. And uh, then, and because there were just a handful of reporters, there were 10 of them, so everything, film, cinema, politics, everyone used to do everything. And then, later you become became the first cinema expert. I think you were... The country's first television journalist who only did cinema and then you that's true
0: actually because we were having I mean, news track and NDTV were pretty much the only you know broadcasters at that time yeah uh, I mean, and then, and we were lucky that you know we were at that time right place right time so I yeah. guess I became India's first television face for yes, entertainment because and, I remember know, that's what I did for the next what of my
1: life. I remember stars wanted to be interviewed by Samar because there was only one television show which was a daily Hindi show called Aaj Tak. So if your film was on Aaj Tak, then you got enough promotion and there were not so many cable television channels. So back then, summer. Yeah. do you remember Dilwale Dulhania Le Jayenge had just released the promo? Correct. I want to talk about that promo changed how promos were made. There was just that mustard fields that ding come fall in love with simran and rahul i said like you did not see shahrukh you didn't see you didn't see jack and i remember when we all were watching it in office we were saying what the fuck is this because till then the Sorry. trailers we were used to is may action dachte- drama it was basically a montage cut by some operator chutiyap some fuck-all voiceover. Yeah, but
0: you know but you also have to you also have to see i mean another you no know, dilwale came out in 94 if i'm not wrong and mm. that was the time when you know television had also just started, mm. and most of the promos before that used to be made for a theatrical release. Right, and, you know, Valet was also one of the first films pretty much talked to the multiplex audience, to an urban audience.
1: And multiplex was, the multiplex, then Single screen ah, cinema. But,
0: hum, hum multiplex unko, but what Achha. I meant was an urban audience.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: It was meant for an urban audience, you know, and it was also the birth of a new director. It was Aditya Chopra who had who had come in. So it was almost like the changing of the guard of, hmm. of you know the kind of cinema that he believed kind of promos. And that was the time when you see a lot of films which were coming out which you know but were, were very influenced by West. I mean 90s was the time when a new generation of filmmakers had taken over. There was Mansoor Khan who had come in, in 89 with Kaayamat se Kaayamat tak. Suraj Barjatea had come in with Maine Pyar Kiya. Aadhav came in. Two years later, Karan Johar came in. But it was so this, but,
1: but it was this film's promo that really set the standards of what new promos. I mean, that was <laughs> the promo where promos became a full-time. An editor said, "Okay, this promo has to look good."
0: Because at that time, you also have to remember, like I said, it was the birth of television. That was also the birth of advertising. Hmm. Advertising started in the 90s. Before that, there was no advertising, you know? So we were only making ads for two versions.
1: Hmm. And cable TV came in, right?
0: Yeah, and when cable TV came, is when the new age slickness came into advertising and came into promos and came into pretty much everything that you saw around. Even the billboards changed. Everything changed in the 90s. So that was, I think, the time when... We were very, very influenced by the West. We started taking references from the West and started making stuff because before that theatre There was no promotional Right, exactly. Film
1: there was no promotion the way we no understand promotion now. Exactly. Anyway, just talking to you Brought back the memories of watching that promo for the first time. Oh, beta tape, I remember watching what is it? What is But it was a slick promo. Tha, you know, the first time I saw it, I did not know what is it. I said, Very nice tune, very nice, but what what is and this? Was not, the, was I was told this is, is a film that is being released. <laughs>
0: this is a promo for like, a film. <laughs> and now, in, in today's generation, we would call it a teaser. It was a promo. Exactly, it was a
1: teaser. Because you didn't, you, you, know, just, was, you just saw the rain, you saw hat and guitar, nothing else. And
0: I think it also reflected of Adi Chopra, you know. People don't know whether he, for the longest time, people thought he was a ghost. Hmm.
1: There was
0: nobody called Adi Chopra. There were no pictures, there was nothing. So, personality-wise, also, he to give out a tease before he gave out the film.
1: Right. So, let's first start with reviewing Fire. Have you watched Fire, Samarkhan? No, I, I haven't seen it, actually. But I've seen
0: the promos of, of, of it and... I really want to see it because it is again one of those, you know, cool documentaries that Netflix has been able to come up with. And, you know, is a reflection of the millennials and the scam that America runs on everything. Right. Also,
1: you're very right. It's a great commentary other than the specific fraud that it is on. It's also a comment on the whole millennials and how social media can completely influence what we think. All these models,
0: like, in the Bahamas. The most insane festival the world has ever seen. Island getaway turned disaster. It became very barbaric. Right now, you're on the fucking laughing stock of everything.
1: Just wait until you see what you're getting yourselves into. The biggest event in a decade, I promise you. I'll be there. So, I watched it. I'll just quickly give you a you know, a, a review of it. If you have any specific questions, feel free to ask. So sure. So, just, it's directed by Chris Smith and written by him as well. So, what it has going for it is, it is beautifully shot because much of the footage they've used is from the promos of the festival. The festival was a festival called Fire Festival, F-Y-R-E. Those of you who are familiar with festivals, you know, like there's the Burning Man Festival, Woodstock was a music festival. There are many such musical festivals. This was supposed to there's be
0: the tomorrow. There's tomorrow land, I mean, which happens every year.
1: In in India they have magnetic field. There's NH NH7 weekend. I sunburn there's so much
0: that happened.
1: So this is um, you know, but this was supposed to be a different level, you know, on an island in the Bahamas, the most exclusive party, and this guy who was supposed to be putting this all together. It was a guy called Billy McFarlane. So, um, Now, and basically what happened, there are no spoilers because you know from the beginning what's going to happen. The title of the film is, or the one-liner, The Greatest Party That Never Happened. So it was this big party that was supposed to happen. Tickets were sold and finally it was this big fraud and he's serving six years in jail for that and related offenses. So what has going for, it has great footage. It has a great story and, and it's immensely watchable. I highly recommend it and it's not very long so it doesn't take too much time. But one... Huge flaw that I saw in this was, you know, someone the almost the yeah. en- almost the entire documentary, other than the interviews, is run on footage that was shot for promos. You know, when they were selling this the fire festival, they had shot promos Understood. with these supermodels and all. And then they also have footage when he fucked up, and then he was trying a second thing. He had this obsession of always getting a cameraman to shoot everything they're doing because he'd use that as promotional material. I think. Again, a comment on millennials, they think life is a reality show, so you have to have a camera on you all the time. I just wanted the filmmaker to explain to me how he got access to all this footage. Because, is I mean, of course, I'm doing, being a conspiracy theorist, and I'm being half in jest. Is this a scam that this guy shot all this, did this whole fuck up, and then he has sold this footage so documentary can be made that he'll get the money from? How has the filmmaker got all this footage that wasn't explained? The second thing that wasn't explained was, after he got out, I mean, after this whole fuck-up happened and he was in jail, then he came out on bail, then there was more footage. How did he get that footage? So that, to me, was a big hole in the film. I'd like to know why this guy has access to all this footage, because I'm assuming it will be... Or
0: maybe the guy who actually shot it was not paid by him, and he sold it to the filmmaker and said, this is the only way
1: I can get my money. Possible, but I, I, I would like that to be explained, because it's... And the second thing is that the whole film shows it's about how this guy wants to set up this really you know, ambitious festival and all the team, the production head, the publicity head, the design head, they have all been interviewed and the kind of things that they had to do to try to make this happen, how it was so impossible that it would obviously not happen. I think it's a great study in how one man's you know, uh, power can make everybody believe something that's impossible to do and they carry on doing it.
0: The one thing thing that I would want to point out, I mean, I think you can, because I haven't seen it yet, I've just seen the promo of it and I've read about it. I think what I would want you to talk about also is the fact that, you know, I love the documentary on Netflix because they treat it like a picture film. Mm. There's an arc to the story. There is a climax, there is a pre-climax, there are ups and downs, there are moments in it. It's not just documenting it. You know, they actually structure it very well.
1: Yes, absolutely. You're right. There is that typical five-act format that they follow even in the documentaries if not the three act so th- they have done that in this too although uh, in many of the Netflix documentaries you know the arc goes up and down like so, a, a, a character becomes sympathetic and then unsympathetic again here there's a flatness to Billy there is no okay. sympathetic aspect which is unlike other Netflix documentaries that have that slight play they play with you a little bit and the one thing that was unconvincing is that other than him who comes out looking like this horrible villain Everybody else involved is interviewed, and they're all wonderful people. That was completely unconvincing that, fuckers, you were maybe not as complicit. And you know, they have one line of one of them saying that, and I wondered, was I being complicit in this? Because I would also tweet out pictures and put on Instagram, oh, what a great festival. And then I thought, was it my fault? And that's it. So that way, I thought it was a bit unconvincing, but, you know, interesting film, great event, I mean, perfectly made for a documentary filmmaker. I don't think you had to put in much craft to make this story happen. So, yeah. Because it's all there. It's, it's all, all there. there. So, moving on. Now to come up with Mr. Khan's expertise. Khan Saab. Yes, sir. Tell me what you think of the film that has been released with Kaushal. We reviewed it last week, but I would like to know your view. And please go on from there without me interrupting you. On... The following. You see, there are films like Apocalypse Now or even Platoon. You know, they showed the U.S. military in an unsympathetic light that how horrible they can be, the excesses they commit. But in India, is it possible to make a film on the army unless you are saying Jai Bharat Mata Ki Jai and all these JP Dutta type third-rate films? Is it possible to have a platoon-level success in India unless you are saying Army Ki Zindabad or Bharat Mata Ki Jai? Please okay, first I'll, first I'll, tell me what you thought of the latest film with Vicky Kaushal and then tell me about this phenomenal register said
0: okay i uh, personally i like uri because i think it was a very well made film they captured the action sequences very well there is always there are always fictional elements that they've added which make you laugh and make you if you're a if you're a if you're a buff of these films, hmm. you know if you're a janta if you're a janta audience, then the garud works for you because you feel wow. But if you're a if you're a military buff, you look at it and say what the fuck this can never happen, <laughs> you know. And things like you know uh, Kirti Kulari taking a chopper right in the end and saying Nirmal ji, i mean, those kind of things are just something that you feel why why they're doing this. But I I I can understand why you know the filmmaker would do that because he's also talking to a larger audience. Right. right? This film, I think the, the, the good thing about Uri was it did not deviate from its main plot. Hmm. There were no unnecessary love sequences. There were no unnecessary emotional tracks which were thrown in. There were not any unnecessary divergent. It stuck to its story, told the story and got out of it, which I think is a very good step forward for, for filmmakers and for film people to to decide and say, you don't need to have deviant, uh, uh, divergent tracks in the film for the audience to come in. So and even, one, so b-
1: th- 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 one quick question. Does it have any scene like um, like Border has with Sunil Shetty lying in the uh Sand ki No, it does, it, does a it does not. Okay. It doesn't have any it, does side not. Side. Okay.
0: it does not. Which is why I'm saying that what I liked about it is that they they have actually taken the, the craft of, of uh, you know, making a war film much forward because we were stuck with J.P. Dutta. Hmm. We were stuck with a certain kind of cinema and we were thinking that this will But what this film has shown is that if you stick to it, if you stick to realism, you add a little bit of jingoism to it, which we all have to do. You add a little bit of patriotism to it, which again you all, we, we all have to do and it can work. Hmm. You know, it can work without getting into too much of my mother and my mother. And Sande Se Aate and the old backstories, it has actually broken that mold for which I give a lot of credit to the filmmaker. Right. That he is, it's, it's a very, and I mean, hats off to to, to Ronnie Struwala for, for putting the money on Vicky Kaushal to make such an expensive film. Because when he signed Vicky for the film, Vicky was nobody. Right. You know, and he put the money behind it. He said, let me make this film. It's a 35 crore film. Which is, wow. not, which is not the kind of money that you would expect a Vicky Kaushal film to be
1: yeah at. to recover so, I guess Masan and all that must that have been is. like 2-3 crore films huh? his other films must have been very tiny films yes
0: I mean Masan and all very small films mm. you know uh, Love Must Playfit and all very small films it wasn't that Vicky Kaushal had suddenly become a big star and mm. Razi was also Alia Bhatt film it wasn't a Vicky Kaushal film right this is actually the first film of Vicky Kaushal where Vicky Kaushal is the, is the hero of the film the star of the film mm. so yeah I mean in that respect, I think it's, it's it's a fantastic effort and it's a great effort for you know filmmakers to say tell the story the way it is. We don't have to uh, what would I say cushion it with emotional tracks and love stories and songs and all of that jazz.
1: Fair enough. Tell but even but even if it is a, even if it is realistic portrayal or relatively realistic portrayal, hmm. it is still a portrayal of a celebration of the armed forces success.
0: Absolutely. Now, coming absolutely. to the exactly. second I'll, part. I'll come to that. I'll yeah, come yeah. that part of the, of, of the discussion. Hmm. I'll come back to my film, Abhinandan. Sharia was a film very, very critical of the Indian Army. Yes. You know, but I had problems with it. Now, what we have to understand, that there is a censor Sorry, hold.
1: did you say you had problems with it?
0: I had problems with it because the censor did ask me to change things. I stuck to my ground. Mm. Those times were different. Those times were pre-social media. Mm. I was able to convince them and get away with it. Right. You know, but now I do a lot of work with the Indian Army and I understand their point of view also. Mm. See, right now, what we are dealing with is that we are not a mature audience. Mm. We are not an audience which is mature as America is, you know, and the army is one of the holy cows of the Indian nation. The the moment you start getting critical about the Indian Army, you know, it... It's almost like bringing down the last bastion of hope. I disagree, but I'll come to
1: that later. Yeah, go ahead.
0: So hmm. I'm saying that hmm. what happens with the with the normal audience is that they feel that the army is above religion, it's above prejudice, it's above partisan, it's above communalism. All of which is all untrue. Of
1: all of which is untrue.
0: I kind of disagree with you. I would not say that all of it is untrue. There are human beings in the Indian army. Exactly. There are bad apples. There are bad apples in the Indian army. I'm not hmm. debating that or denying that at all. But Seventy to eighty percent mm. of the army is still it's still a good force.
1: Sure, absolutely, I agree.
0: The web space has given people the freedom. If you see test case, right. test case is about the first female combat soldier. Mm. She comes into a misogynist atmosphere, mm. she is she is sexually assaulted mm. by one soldier and she fights back. Right. So I have also taken up the fact over there that the Indian army is a misogynist. Right. I'm also working on a show right now, which I will not talk about too much because it's still in development, hmm. which is also critical of the Indian Army. See, cinema is a force where you have to deal with the censor board, you have to deal with much more, you have to deal with the army clearances. The web space is a neutral space where, you're, where you don't have to get into all that Jamila. Right. So, so is, it, is it that we don't want to, filmmakers don't want to make critical stories? Of course they do. But you know how much problem a filmmaker will have if he makes anything which is even critical of the political scene. Mani Karnika is facing a problem because the Karni Sena will come and blow up your damn thing. Yeah, I mean,
1: that is, I mean, really ridiculous uh, outfits. But just coming to, you know, two quick things, Samar. I I agree with you that by and large the Indian Army and being a foggy kid myself is one of the cleanest and yet un- sullied um, institutions in our country. I don't think there are many, you know, colonies or townships or communities in this country where you can let a four-year-old child go and he or she will come back home in the evening when the lights are out, and the parents don't have to worry about where he or she is. And that is how we grew up in cantonments. And even today, cantonments are like that. An army cantonment, the parent will not know where the child is. He or she somewhere in this cantonment, aa jayega. There is no danger. Correct. So I agree to that. By and large, it's a very secular organization, way more secular than the police force or any other for sure. But that is changing at a rate which is worrying for me. But do they commit excesses? I think they absolutely do. And why Indian filmmakers can't be critical of the armies? I think there's a financial aspect because I know when JP Datta made Border, you know, he used a lot of uh, 4G resources, including men.
0: I understand, under I'm saying when I made Sorya, I did not take any help from the
1: army. Exactly, which is why you because could. But everybody else does. When right? you need the aircraft, in the US when they do it, they are paying for all that. They are not using the 4G no, resources. We are
0: also, no, no, i one thing. we also have to pay for it. It's not that they give us free. But they will not clear the film. No. Now, if I, for example, when I'm making the Uri Strikes, I'm making the show which is the Uri Strikes. I have to show the final episodes to the army.
1: Yeah, but Samar, if if you did not need any of their resources, you don't have to show it to them.
0: No, I don't. But again, I, like. So I that's what I'm saying. So if you can board. pay
1: the market, if I can say, I will recreate the platoon war zone on an island in Indonesia. I don't need to bloody go to the. No, but one
0: thing. One thing you have to be you have to be mindful of. Uh, I mean, the film has to be cleared by the censor board. And the censor board has guidelines that if you're showing the armed forces, they will ask for an N O C from the armed forces.
1: Oh, I see. Okay. So it's not only economic then?
0: It's not just a financial decision. I see. There is the censor board that you have to clear the film by. And the censor board is very, very sensitive when it comes to armed forces, when it comes to politicians, when it comes to all these things, because they know that they will face the backlash.
1: I see. So you're saying that until the entire concept of a censor board changes, we should not expect any films that in a realistic way, show the excesses that were a in Manipur or Kashmir or anywhere. It like-
0: should not be, till the time that we have a censor board and we do not have a certification process, we can forget about being critical about anything. Forget the armed forces. <laughs> <laughs> I you, see. Can just be, you can just forget about it and we can only be critical of podcasts. The day you have a censorship on podcasts, damn, you can be critical about anything.
1: Right, right. You Interesting. Know, so it's,
0: it's, it's all a function of censorship. The moment you're going to you're going to unleash that, you will let filmmakers express what they want to express and then let the audience want to watch it, they will want to watch it, eh? hmm. But the moment you have a sense of you can't be critical about anything. And you see you see films which are critical about systems and all of that. It's a huge financial so producers turn around and say, love story but now, show on a cute grabangal everywhere.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I I see where you're coming from. Absolutely, I agree. I, I think this is one aspect which those um, commentators who are extremely critical don't see that you're on the hook for a lot of money. And, Absolutely. And I mean, it's
0: very easy to say, you know, our film stars don't take a stand, our film stars don't say anything. But have you seen the kind of repercussions people face? Hmm.
1: There's a lot of money at stake. Hmm.
0: You know, it's not as it's not as simple as America, where you know anybody can take a
1: stand and get away with it. I and think I think, it, and I. And I think it's ironic that last last night or night before last where there was this tukre tukre gang debate happening on one of these insane channels, Republic or Times Now. And I was saying, seeing at the bottom, powered by RP Goyanka Group or RG Goyanka Group and powered by Microsoft or whichever. And I was thinking that, how come there's no backlash to this kind of bigotry that these guys are... Cause some of the things that they were saying were horrifically yeah. bigoted. I was like, Absolutely. doesn't the brand... How come there's no financial backlash to this? The brand doesn't feel embarrassed that our logo is coming when this insane-sounding Rahul Shiv Shankar is yelling like, like an, you know, a, a mad bigot. Uh, but clearly, that has no financial implication, which is unfortunate. Is that why you left News, Samar Khan?
0: I left News because I was just too bored and tired, and it was becoming a circus. I mean, and then I think I left at the right time because it was just a bloody circus. And you said that.
1: I might as well enter the proper circus, which is cinema, exactly. yo. <laughs>
0: And I make more money out of it, bro. So, I mean, it's, all, it's
1: all about money, Adi. <laughs> you know. Okay, now let's talk about the Pita commercial. Samar Khan did. You, have you seen the Pita commercial, which is, uh, which is challenging toxic masculinity? You
0: know, but it's everybody has seen the Pita commercial, and I think you know it's it's just disgusting. I will mean, have really sorry. It is just fucking disgusting. Who the fuck it thought is- of this? I have no idea, and who the fuck thought of it? Who the fuck created it? I mean, I'm I'm amazed that that someone, when we turn around and say that you know this was actually done by someone on really like, like LSD or drugs, because it's, 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 it's got nothing going for it. It's creatively bad, you know. It's it takes vegetarianism to sexuality and the size of your organ,
1: hmm.
0: which has got nothing to do with food. And it's such, it's, and it's bad visuals. also, my other problem with it is you want to choose men, at least choose good looking men, bro. (laughs) Yeah, fat, ugly people, naked people. I mean, what the hell are you doing?
1: So, for those of you who don't know, Peter put it out on their social media, this video, which is, I think, about two minutes long, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, it's about two and a half
0: minutes long.
1: And it, it basically shows men, like, instead of their penises, they have carrots and mooli and bengan and gajar and stuff like that. And I, I don't know what the point is, but I think it's about that if you're vegetarian, you got you a bigger cough.
0: You can still have a great organ.
1: So, okay, so, okay, whatever. And you know,
0: one more thing. And okay, and for all the guys, and, I mean, and then you've seen the commercial. Okay? Yeah. The the men that they have chosen, you know, whether they're vegetarian or non-vegetarian, it'll be a miracle if they get sex.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but it has almost universally, um, it has led to a certain disgust. It hasn't achieved, I think, what it was supposed to achieve. So yeah. I don't uh, even know what
0: it was supposed to achieve. I have
1: no clue. I think they were going down the road of using this whole after Gillette. You know, they use this whole toxic masculinity to rebrand and, like, the Gillette ad I thought was a very good ad, and I think it had the right yeah, message. That was a very good ad. Uh, so I think what uh, they were trying to do was, chalo isse ganga mein toxic masculinity ki hum vegetarianism ko bhi dete You know, जैसे met thoose. Main har podcast mein ki People who don't pay for news then shouldn't whine about bad and terribly made news because the advertisers pay for it. So no matter what the conversation, I say that subscribe to News Laundry and pay to I keep news do. free. And then you do that then you see how news and you can do that by going to newslaundry.com and pressing on the subscription button and you can pay through credit card or Patreon or whatever. But
0: And listen, guys, it's not that expensive. I mean yeah. it's it's really not it's not going to be a... you know, it's just the only irritating thing is that you will get
1: males so Abhi London every one month or one and a half but Yeah, that's this, that's this the worst that So, but we digressed like Peter. So, why the vita thought ki toxic masculinity is a vegetarianism? And we will get kalyan. Ah, now, ah, toxic masculinity, ka not vegetarianism. toxic masculinity, The only guys who made money out of this was the agency that shot
0: the yeah. was, I don't think anybody, helped I don't it. Think it any,
1: anybody has benefited from that. Completely true. Absolutely. Now, before we wind up, Samar, because you are a filmmaker, you've been a news professional, you have several, you have several hats. Can you tell me your favourite films from last year? Because I think 2018 was one of the best years in my living memory. For films. I absolutely, mean, I, I can count absolutely. so many excellent films. Which were your picks? You know,
0: I think last year was one of those rare years where it was very difficult to pick your films that were, you know, really, really made well. I think uh, Badhai Ho was a very, very well-made film. Right. Razi was another film that was, you know, at the top of its game. Hmm. I honestly believe, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm a product of a commercial genre, so yes, art films are great for me, but I really enjoyed Simba because what he was able to do was he was able to balance you know a certain amount of storytelling in commercial cinema okay. because hmm. uske beyond commercial cinema expect to better hi hai but he was able to manage to to you know uh,
1: balance that and other than that last year any other films what did you think of that uh, badhai uh, badai ho to ho gai, jo, sthri, did you like stree the there were a whole bunch I of i really like
0: because you know stree was another film that really really was able to cross the uh, the, it was a new genre because any film that introduces a new genre is always uh, a film that you know is is great for the industry hmm. but the film that I think was the film of the year for me was Andhadon. you know it was the okay. film of the year I see because it was again a dark film it was a film that you thought would not do well it's a kind of genre which is uh, uh, which is not a big money spinner it did not have a big star cast hmm. but it appealed to audiences and I honestly believe that, you know, the films that have worked last year have worked because of the strength of their story. Right. You know, and it's, it's, it's worked because people love the story. It wasn't about yeah. stars. It wasn't about, you and know, lo- people going in.
1: And a lot of new young talent has come up. So that's always encouraging.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, a new, there's a, there's a, there's a new, there were, there, were, there were new writers that came up. There were new directors that came up. So all in all, it was a, it was a great year. You know, it was a great year for cinema.
1: Yes, and uh, hope this one is as good for cinema and for you, Samarkhan. We will look forward it to... It started off
0: well. It started off well, Abhinandar. I think the success of Uri is a great sign that you know people are willing to go and watch and sample different kinds of cinema and are not just going for star power.
1: I will look forward to your series.
0: I will come back to you for free promotion. So of course,
1: yeah, we'll get you on this podcast. We'll push it out and, and uh, hope to do the best. What are friends for if you can't use them at times like this, Samarkhan?
0: Correct. <laughs> and I'm a paid subscriber of news Laundry.
1: So that was today's Awful and Awesome Entertainment Wrap. I'll be back again next week. Send us your feedback and inputs to contact at newslawny.com. I repeat, contact at newslawny.com with the title Awful and Awesome or ANA. You can leave your uh, abuse on Rashi's Twitter timeline. It's at brown sahiba. Yes, and now we have to wind up but we have a specific format. So... I will say thank you Mr. Khan, you will say thank you Mr. Zekri and I'll say it's a wrap. Okay, so that's how we'll do it. Okay. Okay, start. Thank you Mr. Khan. Thank you Mr. Zekri. It's a wrap. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent.